0: Greetings and grace and peace, everyone. Welcome to the ninety seventh episode of season two of the Chief Yuya Podcast. I want to thank you all for being here. I'm thankful for this day, thankful for this moment, and for another opportunity to bring some nutritious information to you all. You know, I appreciate for that that blessing within itself. So um, I'm going to get right into what we're going to do, and of course, uh, willfully. You all are still, uh, I should say, being being fed or, or snacking and nibbling on um, our last session, you know, what we discussed. And, you know, we started to dig into that Proverbs experience, the Proverbs information and started just speaking about, you know, in terms of solution, like what, what would be valuable for uh, a person, a young woman to... Uh, to begin to to begin to emulate, in order to be someone of um, of rapport, you know, and someone who brings value to their their mate and to their family. Of course, everything that you're you're hearing is it's just very very family centric. And like I said in the last session, some of this information may be a bit triggering, you know, if if you're focused and and kind of based in. The concepts that are are given to us by the beast system Talks around family Talks around serving Talks around men Talks around patriarch Are considered to be just inherently toxic (laughs) You know, but uh, If you are approaching everything from a Western viewpoint You'll never really understand anything That's being taught or said That comes from Eastern philosophy You know, so uh, It will be a challenge all right. But willfully uh, from the movies that we have been covering and um, from the books that we have been covering, I'm giving you all a little bit of break on the book because books so you can kind of catch up. And uh, I'll have a recommendation for books in our next session. But of course, we still will have our proverbs. And we'll have our movies because those those are a little bit easier to get through. So our movie i um, jump right into it. actually Actually no, let me jump into the proverb first I'm going to jump into the proverb um, Because This whole time we've been Kind of exploring these topics We've been essentially dealing with You know uh, At least for the past With two or three segments Dealing with the book of proverbs So let's start And we have a For those of you taking notes I have several proverbs I'm going to give you at once A mother in labor is not ashamed of nudity. When a father punishes a child, it seeks refuge in its mother's hut. We are born from the womb of our mothers. We are buried in the womb of the earth. The mother of a great person has no horns. A child on its mother's back does not care if the journey is long. The earth is the mother of all. A child cannot pay for its mother's milk. If a calf sucks greedily, it tears away its mother's udder. A child does not laugh at the ugliness of its mother. A person who has not traveled think his or her mother is the best cook alright and now let me share the movie that we're going to be digging into for this session or you know for the yeah, for this session so the movie we're going to dig into is uh, the name of it is called Green Pastures Green Pastures uh, The Green Pastures rather it came out in 1936 and um It's a really good movie, you know, 1936. So you can imagine that the vibe may be a little different than what you're used to. But I'm telling you, it's a beautiful film. Um, I remember watching it many years ago. I can't remember when, but it's something that's been in my family. You know, like I have a, a library, I have a media library, you know, and it's something that I've had in my library I don't know man Since time immemorial But <laughs> well, just for a really long time right And it's and it's based on um, A book by the name of Old Man Adam and His and his children. And that was a book written by uh, Rourke Bradford And um, The thing about Green Pastures is I think one of the things that makes it Interesting is that the Green Pastures Is a movie and it's based On Uh, various biblical stories and those biblical stories are all acted out, you know, by Negro Negro actors okay, so you you know, you gotta remember this is uh, this is 1936 and um, think about what was happening, the book was written you know, uh, Old Man Adam and His Children in 1930 but you know, in 1936 Mark Conley Um, did this film and they wanted even a Pulitzer actually for this work but uh, it's just it shows these different stories and um, Rex Ingram is uh, the primary the the star of it you know and you have Negro people playing um, Elohim you have Negro people playing first people on earth Negro people playing heroes you know and um, there's just a twist of uh, of the story you know it's kind of like a uh, a Harlem or a um Atlanta, Georgia you know or or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania you know um version of the Bible <laughs> you know almost like what the Wiz was for the Wizard to to the Wizard of Oz if you will so there's um a lot of biblical background that's kind of hit a certain way and um ten cent cigars or cigars as they say and you know it's just a fun movie, especially for those of you um who enjoy history, you know, and in particular Negro history. It's a it's a great movie that uh attempts at depicting certain biblical stories in a in a different sort of light. And when I say history, not necessarily biblical history, but just the history of of um, what some may call black sim- cinema, you know, but um, it's a movie. Everyone there has a southern dialect, so it, it gives it a different kind of kind of, you know, kind of feeling kind of vibration. And and I think it's great because it allows you to to picture and image things in a different way, you know, Um it's a it's a film that i used to show my children they used to love it you know it's a black and white film so it doesn't have obviously all of the cinema the the color and the and the excitement of a of a cartoon like a prince of egypt or anything like that but it's a fun film all right and of course with everything that i'm sharing with you there is a um there's a deeper meaning <laughs> it's always a deeper meaning so I will that you uh, Definitely enjoy that, that film um, And as always 5.35pm Eastern is when we Hit play and I knew Alright and um, I'm going to get started uh, because This is uh, I went a little bit over in this Session but we're still we're Picking up on part two uh, For where we left off in our last Session okay here we go So continuing on With our um Proverbs thirty one exploration, you know where we left off. We spoke about the things that were done, you know, that um, a woman may do, where she's expressing the voice, the voice of the Elohim, the voice of the Most High. And her consistency, you know, her her patience and her devotion. It's um it's long stand- standing, you know, and, and whatever he's doing, uh, his reputation. His joy, you know, even his comfort is is her delight you know it's it's um it's what she looks to do and and the, the or looks to fulfill with a with a lovingly sort of um eagerness if a a loving sort of eagerness so um like you know one of the last things I said is that she makes sure she confront confronts the sin that may be in her mate and she confronts the failure that may be in her mate because she sees him at his best, you know, or she strives to see him at his best and has no, no issue reporting when maybe he, he may be missing the mark and knows how to do that with a kind word, which is so important. You know, that was one of the things that were, that were mentioned being able to do that. You know, this kind of takes us to, um, Titus you know we spoke about Titus recently I'll bring it up that the precept that I want to sort of dig into a little bit but um when we're looking at just the the concept or really the the, the idea of love it of loving right and you look at uh, Titus 2 and 4 that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands and to love their children. You know, that that level of sobriety that's spoken about there. You know, love your husbands. To be sober first and then to love your husbands and then to love your children. You know, such an important statement being made there in that, you know, this is not just about the way you make me feel. This is not just about the butterflies in my stomach or whatever thing we may come up with, you know, but it's, I am loving you with a divine sobriety. You know, I'm very clear on what this is. I'm very clear on how to love my, my husband. I'm very clear on how to love my children and primarily because I've been taught, right? You know, that's the Titus two, four. So, um, going back to, of course, uh, proverbs, if we go back to proverbs and just keep working through it a little bit, right? One of the things that you'll find is that, um, it, it, we're looking at a situation where that every bit of what the most high wants that man to be, that woman wants him to be. And every bit of, uh, the spiritual person or the spiritual giant, even, Um, In every way, whether it's professional or, you know, it's spiritual or it's emotional, but she is seeking for him to be the best father, the best worker, the best husband, the best friend, you see. And in doing that, she's doing that for several reasons, but she's, she's progressing and she's making sure that her husband is respected. As a result of that, if you go down to uh, verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. You see, so her husband being known among the gates or within the gates is, you know, her husband has a reputation and he's known by everybody. You know, he's a he's a somebody, if you will. Inside of the of the community. And just if you could imagine at that time, you know, we're working with a compound sort of setting up where there was these gates in these old cities. You know, cities were often gated off, you know, to help them to defend off attack. So um, the elders would have a certain area that they would gather daily. You know, you see this, of course, because we're talking about Hebraic culture. So obviously you still see this among the he the hebrews today in west places like west africa you know where the elders they sit maybe it's a certain tree or a certain courtyard or a certain patio uh within the the community where they always go to and where they congregate right so they would go there and they would you know uh, adjudicate certain matters that were going on at that time you know they would have conflict resolutions, you know, where they would have hearings and things like that. And um, they would, just just different businesses, business of the city would be carried out. And um, as those elders of the city, the mature men of that city sat, they also rendered judgment, you see. So, you know, the husband having a good reputation among, we could say today, the politicians, the, the councilmen and women, of of the lamb, you know, but she she helps to make sure his reputation is great among the leadership in the city, in the community. And the reputation is is built by his wife. That's an important part. His reputation is built by his wife. So she's faithful in all the duties that she has to be faithful to, you know, as it pertains to her love of him, you know, and he's free to be the man that he's been called to be. So he, he is able to develop this sort of tremendous reputation because he's not concerned and worried about what's happening at home. You know, his reputation is undergirded by her, if you will, because she's making sure she's doing everything to help him to be, to assist him to be everything that he's supposed to be. You know, and this can go to, Contributing to his spiritual development um, Contributing to his charity work You know um, And contributing to any issues Really being able to intuit Or intelligently ask To look at some of the um, Issues that may be in his life And she's making sure that When she's receiving wisdom from the Most High And she's gaining knowledge From the Most High And the knowledge of the Most High's word She uses that to serve him Not to undermine him, not to belittle him, but to serve him, you know? So she's caring for so many things behind the scenes so that he's free to be everything that the most high would want him to be, you know, and everything that community would benefit of, you know, sometimes within a household, you may know of certain talents that your mate has or certain abilities or gifts, but they may not be free enough within themselves for whatever reason to bring those gifts and those talents to the community so she's helping to bring those things forward um so she's known as a man so well he becomes known as a man of nobility a man of respect because of the contributions that she selfishly selflessly excuse me renders unto him you know so in making sure that everything has been done so she can also verbally build his reputation She also makes sure to never tear, tear to do anything to tear him down. You know, not just what she says, but what she does, does not tear him down. Because she's wise enough to know she gains nothing by tearing down her husband's reputation. Absolutely nothing. If people have a diminished respect for him, then they'll have a diminished respect for her. Because she speaks evil of him. And secondly, because... He chose someone inadequate to help him to become all he could be, you see. So they'll look at him a certain way. Why did you choose this one? How is this one going to help you to fulfill the mission? This doesn't look right. So they, they see that he's a poor decision maker. But this capable woman that we're speaking about here in Proverbs, she's, um, she has the character of a wife. And she has so much character that her husband trusts her in the careful management of everything that is precious and everything that is important to him, you know, and to the family, you know. So she does good and and no evil all her life towards the family or him. And she makes sure that his reputation is impeccable in the community and The best way she does that is by maintaining great character as a wife in the community. You see, she when we look at a woman like this and, and, you know, and some of these things in this Babylonian sick backwards beast system society are now considered to be insults (laughs) to a woman. You know, like I said in the beginning, you you know, the image of the homemaker. The image of the one who's devoted to their children, devoted to her her husband, to her master. You know, she is a devoted homemaker, though. You see? And if you read, that really takes up the bulk of that passage, what she's doing in the home. Immediately when you get to verse 13, right? She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. It's the first thing we're told, she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly, willingly with her hands. You see? So she begins to take up this, this sort of mantle as, um, you know, and, and willingly also sometimes is translated, trans, translated as delightfully. You see? It's very interesting. Um, I've heard a professor say at one point that (laughs) um, the role of a homemaker for a woman, you know, sometimes women would, um, you know, when they would introduce themselves, that's what they would say they do. Oh, I'm a homemaker, you know, or I'm a housewife or, you know, stay-at-home mom, whatever it is. I heard a professor once say that that's an illegitimate profession. I thought it was so very interesting because there's so many things that women can do to defile themselves, and they do these things to make money. Like we wouldn't say, um, well, I would probably say, <laughs> you know, maybe selling drugs to the community or scamming is an illegitimate profession, but you would you would hold being a housewife in the same esteem as that. You see. So, you know, honestly, one of the most cruel and damaging things that you can do, you know, and many feminists do these things. The professor, I remember she was a feminist. Um, You got these feminists and they align with their government allies and they attack the role of motherhood. They attack the role of the dependent wife. You know. That's actually what sexual harassment is That's sexual harassment You're attacking the role of the mother You're attacking the role of the wife And you have these feminists And you have these these governmental Demons And principalities And rulers in high places It's one of the most cruel things you can do See And that has nothing to do with the order of the Elohim And the order of the Elohim the woman is primarily devoted to the home. That's just what it is. She's devoted to the home. She's the ruler of the house. She manages the house. And her devo- her devotion is something that is remarkable. You see, that's why she's making flax and, and, and linen and making thread out of wool and, you know, and, and things like that. So when you look at it's it's an interesting transition. When you look at um, verse twelve, you go from verse twelve to verse thirteen, right? She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh worketh um, willingly with the hands. This twelve is it sounds like almost like a spiritual commandment, you know, if you look at it. You know, it's a very spiritual way to, to sort of look at things. You know, she's being her husband's conscious. She's doing him good. She's never doing him evil. You know, all the days of her life are devoted to him and, and him being everything he can be. And she seeks out what his spiritual devotions are. What what are his spiritual benefits? What are good for his spiritual welfare? You know, she wants to strengthen him. She wants to encourage him. She wants to comfort him. And that level of spiritual and divine devotion, it doesn't necessarily make her into some sort of spiritual hermit. You know, as we read, she's not um, a religious fanatic, if you will, pretending that. You know, laziness and and, and irresponsibility is deeply spiritual, (laughs) you know, while she just kind of ignores the duties of the home. Because, you know, I was meditating. I was listening to a podcast about Proverbs 31, you know. She's not necessarily even learning these things so she can become the, the resident theologian of the house and do nothing but study. I've met so many people like that. Women who, you know, said, "Well, I don't have time for this or that, or that. I'm in seminary, or I devote a lot of my life to studying the Word of God." But your family is falling apart. That's not accurate, according to the world. I mean, to the Word. When we when it when it says she looks for flax and wool, why? Because she purchases something that's bare she purchases something that's foundational and she spends it herself into thread you know she weaves it into the the loom herself you see once it's in the in the fabric she cuts it and makes something and why does she do this because it's winter time as we read it gets so very interesting when it speaks about the winter time because there's so many other implications in this passage about it you know the cold You know, she's full of energy with the things that she has to do in her home and whatever is required, she gets it done. And the needle and the spindle, they serve her family well. The loom serves her family well because, as it says, she worked with her hands in delight. She's not complaining. She's not doing it begrudgingly. She finds joy in the labor of her home because she loves the people who she's doing it for. It's that love that drives her to do more. You see, she's active after the pleasures of her heart. The pleasures of her heart are her family. So she has a mind staying up and creating fabric or, you know, all these different things, even if it's winter, it's not hard for her to do these things, you know, because, um, it's, it's that when you, when you look at what she goes through, for instance, you look at verse 14, she is like the merchant ships; She bringeth her food from afar. Now, I know. I mean, I, I know some men like this, but not too many. I know a lot of women like this. They will go all around town to get. Oh, they're having a sale over here. I'm going to go get some grapes over there. Grapes. <laughs> okay, just for grapes. You know, I mean, I'll go over here because I like to get the the, the bakery at the, this time over here. They, they give you the discount rolls for the day, and that's what we're going to use for dinner. And then I want to go over here for this. And, then this. you know, she goes afar to get things because she's making sure that she's getting her bargains. She's not squandering the assets of the family. She sees, okay, there's this great benefit and value in being careful with money and being frugal. You see, some of us had uh, grandparents like that. They'd walk you all around town, all over, for oranges. <laughs> or they'd send you go down there. Why can't we get it this store right here? I don't like those, you know. Or they charge too much. Well, heck, by the time I get on the bus there and back, I done spent, the, you know, right? She goes far, so she's like a merchant ship in that in that sense where. Um, She likes it. She takes a journey to get her food. She goes off a far distance to do what she has to do. She walks. Why? Because she's delighted to do it. She loves her family. She finds total satisfaction and joy in being able to to go those great distances, you know, to bring a a right price for the benefit of her family. She's engaged in the careful management of the funds. She's engaged engaged in properly planning, you know, financially for the family. And of course, it may sound simplistic, but it's not just she's going to get flour and corn and things like that. But these these are the little things that add up and it makes it enjoyable. It makes it rich, even if she has to go a long way to, to, to do it. When you read verse 15, she riseth. Also, while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. Now, that is where we get. It gets really interesting. It Gets really interesting on that on that point, I should say. So. When you we, if you ever go to northern um, Africa, East Africa, people call it the Middle East. But those of us who know better, know better there's always a lamp burning in the homes and it was always the, and we're talking about in ancient times more so. And it was always the wife's responsibility to keep that lamp burning. So that mean that meant that sometimes she'd have to put oil on the lamp at midnight, you know, and sometimes she'd have to get up at, at dawn to put some more oil to make sure that, you know, it didn't go out and she'd have to trim the man, the lamp, you know, after midnight And she might be up um, grinding corn. Yeah, that might be happening for the day's meal or preparing whatever she had to prepare for her husband and her children and the rest of the household. And remember, her household is above her comfort. Her household becomes before her rest. She's long up before her husband and her children because she has to give them the food to the household. You know, when you look at 15 and it says she gives a, a portion to her maidens, the portions would, would would mean food, but it's it's not just food that she's feeding to the maidens because she has these young girls who work for her. So you have this image of, like, this is a large estate. You know, sometimes when we think about large estates and people who are financially well off, we just think, like, there's a woman laying out by the pool, <laughs> And there's a the head maid and she just gets up and she gets the children up and ready for school while the mother just pops a couple of pills and, you know, and, and sashays out to the, to the poolside. And everyone wants that sort of life. Right. Well, you got to remember, the mother is talking to a king. Her son is King Lemuel. So she, there's, there's going to be this concept of servants, but... She's saying the queen gets up before everyone. She's not lazy. She works. And when you look at the word portions, when it says she gives her portions to her, maid, her maidens in the, the Greek Testament, that word is, is erga. Erga means labor or work. So what's happening is that she gets up super early and then assigns today's task to all of the, the women who work under her. You see, so th- that takes a level of organization. Obviously, so she makes sure that the task or for the day here, you know, what this is you got to do this, you got to do that. The food is prepared for all those who are going to assist. She is truly managing that house. When we look at verse sixteen, she considereth the field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. I always love that that passage. That's now where we get into the entrepreneurial spirit, right? She knows a field that's for sale. And she thinks about it. She, she deliberates, contemplates. She assesses the price and the value and then she how, how that benefit could be brought to her family. Not to her own private bank account. You know, his money is ours and my money is mine. You know, well, a real man would handle the bulk of the bill. You know, we we hear all of that foolishness. She's constantly, her excitement is the benefit of the family. You see. She knows it's appropriate to be entrepreneurial. And there's an independence in this because she considers it. She thinks it through. She makes the purchase. You might say, well, where'd she get the money (laughs) to do these things? Says she purchased it, if you read it. So that means she must have had enough earnings to be able to purchase a vineyard and the things that she did that or that she does. Right. She had to be enterprising. Enterprising. When she came into the relationship, when you go to uh, verse 24, she maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. She's a, she's an entrepreneurial person. You see. She's supplying those girdles. Those are like the belts or different sashes and things that you would see. She supplies those things. You see. She's got a little uh, cottage industry going, if you will. And we might look at it and say, well, how can she be creative and work at the same time? You know, doesn't the, the work or the necessity for making money get in the way of her creativity, you know, and things like that? She's working with mer- merchants. She's got import-export activity happening. She's working with tradesmen. And from that money that she's getting, she's garnered that out into an enterprise, She's saving. She knows how to save her money. She knows how to invest her money. She's not overindulging or, I got to treat myself. Let me spend half of what I've earned. But she's always securing the future for the benefit of her family. And when she comes to that realization, I, okay, I have enough now, she buys a fill. She plants a vineyard. Now everyone uh, benefits again. Wise investments. So she's not just building this nest egg for a rainy day or in case this man leaves me or in case I want to leave this man. Or in case the children ask me for something that he doesn't want to buy, I can go into my bra and say, here, well, don't tell your father. You see. You read verse 17. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. You know, that's not just saying, you know, she's doing hammer curls in the gym and, you know, uh, plate curls and, (laughs) you know, tricep pull-downs and diamond push-ups. I mean, she may be doing those things, too, but she girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She's not a soft person. She's strong. And the things that have made her strong, and when I say I'm not talking about her muscularity, it's because of her effort. She's a strong woman. She's not curated, you know, and, and she, she has this, resist, this, this strength as a result of doing these daily tasks. She becomes strong. That's why she can do so much. You've also, you, some of you have heard me speak about Proverbs 31. I say the capable women, woman. She has strong physical constitution. She works on a spindle. You look at uh, verse 19. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She can work with her hands. Verse 13 told us she could work with her hands. With in delight. She makes linen garments. Verse 22. Um, she maketh co- herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. This is a strong woman. You see? This is not someone who has looked to find a man who she could retire on. Ooh, I'm 24. I'm 25. I'm tired of working. I just want to lay back and have babies now and spend my my husband's money. Or oh, you get this this one. I just make a peaceful home. I just make sure the home is clean and the babies are fed and you know and everybody's to bed by the time. I, that's so easy. It's so easy. You only get these sent males sometimes. Say, I would never swap with my wife. Man, her, heart is, her job is harder. No, it's not. She could do her job all day, literally, in what she woke up in. That's it. That's easy. You, uh, even if she's homeschooling, so you're just homeschooling with your children in your own relaxed environment all day, eating what you want to eat. You know, that, no, that's easier than going out in the world. And having to deal with the harshness of the world. It's far easier. And here's the thing. It's not enough. Proverbs 31 tells you that. That's, that's nothing. This woman is handi- is handling a staff. She's a queen. Why don't she just say, well, y'all do it. You guys do it for me. Let my maidservants do it. She's over there making food and making linen and making tapestry. And she has workers. When you read verse 18, she perceiveth her, that her merchandise is good. Her candle go with not out by night now you think about that she's again doing everything that's for the that's beneficial for her family, of course, so you know her candle's not going to go out she's working hard but there's a there's another important aspect to this, really important she's motivated by the goodness of her effort she lives for her family she's spurred forward by that inherent good goodness of of what she's able to do in the lives of the people who she loves You know The the, the family is, is not necessarily organized In a way where everyone has to attend to her She's not the queen on this pedestal In the family and everyone bows and serves her But she is, she's committed to giving herself completely away For the goodness of everyone else And in order to accomplish all that's in her heart A lamp doesn't go out at night We're talking about winter time even You think about how deep that is You working in the hours of darkness And you know You have to do this very particular sort of work And um, We're talking about ancient times no light bulbs Well hmm, If you went to Kemet <laughs> But she's working by the light of an oil lamp, right? So how warm is it at night? She's not under the covers with her with her husband or maybe she sleeps in the bed by herself. So back then what they would do is they would warm rooms or spaces. They take a, a pan of hot coals and put them in the middle of the room to keep the, the room warm. You see. But that's how devoted she is to the needs of her family. Now, some would say, well, why doesn't the husband just make enough money or whatever so they don't need any of that? Well, this is a king. He's ruling the entire country. He has money. But she's also joyful about her investment and her part. Not so she could say, well, I don't need you. I got my own money because it's going right back into the family. You see. And it's not to say the husband shouldn't work because the very very first commandment that Adam was given was to work. Men's supposed to work before the 10 commandments, <laughs> before be fruitful and multiply. When, you know, Hawa was was created, the very first thing Adam was told to do was to was to have dominion over all of these things. You you take care of this garden. His very first thing that that he was told was work. Work came before the woman. You think about when you get a woman and she doesn't want you to work. Why you don't spend more time with me? Because my first commandment is to work. Then I deal with you. You you come later down. But the first thing I'm supposed to do is work. And the truth is, when you want to find your mate, women, you want to find your husband. Look for the man who's doing the work of the creator. That's the order. You know, if you're doing the work in men, look for the woman who helps you to complete the work of the of the creator. That's how it works. It's, you know, it's not that complicated. You see. She's so devoted to the needs of her family that she stays up in the dark while they're asleep. And before the light even comes on in the morning, she's preparing for the next day. You see, she does things in a heartily sort of way, if you will. When it talks about laying her her hand to the spindle and, you know, she's making fabric from which clothes can now be produced. We're going to get into that. It gets interesting. You look at verse 21. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. So very interesting when you look at that clothed with scarlet. Because remember, it snows in Jerusalem. You know, it snows. It's cold. You see? So, even when it doesn't snow, it snows like every other year, it gets really cold. But she's not afraid of the cold. She's not afraid of the snow. You see? <laughs> you know, you would think, well, why are those garments scarlet? There's a couple of reasons. One, because those dark, deep burgundy sort of colors, they hold more heat. You know, we know that. You wear dark colors that holds heat. Light colors they repel um sunlight, if you will, right? And that's of course an important thing to, to have in in those darker seasons, you see, or you sitting there working with that portable pan of coal, you see. But you, you look at that 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 sort of idea of um, dressing my family in scarlet. Scarlet would also represent blood, you see? And that blood is is a form of spirituality. She dresses them in spirituality. You see? That scarlet thread that we're looking at there, that scarlet thread is, um or that cord sometimes it's called, you know um is is there's a significance there, of course, we have like Rahab, who's the prostitute, mainly known as a prostitute, but um she wasn't necessarily an Israelite, but she helped the Israelites, you know in hiding those those um spies in Jericho um where she lived, you know they were looking at to kind of do some recognizance on the city. And despite what she was doing, she knew that the Yah of Israel was you know the one that that she needed to work with, and she requested that the Israelites save her life and the lives of her family when they came to attack the city. so you remember what they did they told her to to tie a scarlet ribbon in the window of her home, and they would command the soldiers don't don't attack this one you see. Of course, that's the foreshadowing of Yahawashi and the shedding of blood. There's always a shedding of blood when there's a covenant. Joshua two eighteen nineteen. 19. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and your mother and your brothers and all of your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house and into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. And we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is within your house, his blood will, shall be on our head. You see? Then you also have, um, in Genesis thirty-eight twenty-seven and 30, when Judah, he gives um, one of Yaqub's sons to his brother Yosef. And... Um, they was married to Tamar, and they gave birth to the twins, and one twin, you know, stuck his arm out of the womb, and the midwife tied a scarlet thread around his wrist, his wrist to help Tamar know which one was born first. You know, even though, like, Zerah was born first, but because Perez was the first to be completely birthed, Perez was was called the firstborn, you see? And through that Perez family, we have the blood lineage of Yahweh. That's Genesis thirty eight, twenty seven, thirty. When the time of her labor came there were twins in her womb, and when she was in labor one hand one put out a hand and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his head hand, saying, This one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold his brother came out. And she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore, his name was called Perez. Afterwards, his brother came with the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. You see? We also see where the scarlet thread is used inside of the temples. You know, the high priests, you know, the temple curtains, they use that. You see? And there were other colors used, but we know scarlet was used. We see that in Exodus 26 and 1. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple. And scarlet yarns, you shall make them with cherubim skillfully worked into them. <laughs> you see, so we, we have in these examples, scarlet is, is blood. Scarlet is is covenant. You see. I I think the tree. I mean, obviously, we know it was the ath in the Garden of, of Eden. But if there was any fruit that they were eating to symbolize anything, it would have most likely been a pomegranate. Think about the color of a pomegranate. You see? See, it was, when you read Hebrews 9 and 22, when man had tried to cover himself, his sin, he used fig leaves. But without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of disobedience or remission of sin. So without the shedding of blood, there's no covering. You see, now you think about that even in a marriage. You think about the spiritual applications there. You know, Proverbs 31 is addressing this home and family. You know, the the cold weather is not going to catch my My family, you know, off guard, if you will. You see, and that term of scarlet wool, it represents the blood that shed to cleanse you, to cover you, clothed in scarlet. You see, and that spiritual winter that some of us experience could refer to having that fear and and having spiritual droughts, having temptations, having trials, being um, feeling separate from the creator. Feeling separate from the love of the Most High, you see. But even with that condition being present, there's still this covering, you see, in that scarlet thread. I don't want to even talk about all of the um, nations in South Africa that dig into the, 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 the the scarlet. You know, the the Hebrews. You know. So with that in Proverbs 31, there's no distinction. From the people who are under her care Her children, her servants, her husbands Everybody's clothed in scarlet Everybody's clothed the same way in in scarlet You see Because the color Yes, the dark colors They will hold heat But it doesn't necessarily Signify That it's about warmth It's applied that they're wearing wool garments And the wool is the warmth Right Right So that scarlet, is, which was also a rare color at that time, it was considered to be like high class, if you will, to have that scarlet. But it lets them know that even though this may be a spiritual winter, this is a spiritual household. You see? Now, again, this is all theory. I don't know. It wasn't there, but there are different ways that you can interpret it. I'm just giving you one way that you could possibly look at it, you know, when you see that sort of scarlet that brilliant red color and how we may be sort of uh dressed and clothed in scarlet also shows that we are children of a king. We're a royal family. You see? She doesn't have any fear <laughs> what she faces the winters in their lives because they cared for it by the most high. You see? You read um or John one twelve Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of Elohim. You see? So, like, you think about how to... Like, she's preparing her her family to weather the storm. She's preparing her family to face hardships. You see? When you think about... The winter, the winter is the changing of seasons. Right. And it's a time frame where without some form of indoor heating, it can be a huge, you know, sort of crisis for a family. It's a time when we can't farm. The vegetation is gone. you know, the vegetation has died, if you will. But she's prepared all the people, the occupants in our household for the cold. So, if we have a fireplace, we already got the wood. We're good. We, we have rock salt. We got shovels, you know. We have all our gloves and our scarves and our hats and all these different things. We have nice, hearty stews and warm meals that, you know, kind of warm us and the teas and, and, and the cacao, you know, and things like that. We can make our hot, our hot cacao, you know. Um, so she's making sure that her family is under her protection her spiritual protection, her servants, her workers, maybe even the animals, the livestock that was her master's possession, who she was being charged to rule over. And I think it's an important thing when you think about motherhood, because how are you preparing your children to be successful in the world? How are you preparing them to make sure that, you know, sometimes you make sure, oh, we they have the right schools, they have you know but do, are they in good schools are they are they receiving good education by good people? Do they have good people as friends? You see sometimes we're focusing on the wrong things or oh, they got cool friends or friends who have influence they go to the best schools they wear the best clothes, and we're not focused on you know sometimes those things run us they they run us ragged. We get on that hamster wheel to deliver those things, but we're not focused on the things that are most high. We're focused on the things of the world. You see, instead of, of giving your children what they need, not necessarily what they want or what you want. But given what they need and, and and need and make a focus on seed planting. That same day, right? You read Matthew thirteen one through nine. That same day, Yehoshua Shai went out of the house. And sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him. And he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore. And he told them many things in parables. Saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places. Where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly. Because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up. The plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Yahush High has so many like had bars, <laughs> like so many quotables. You see, and it's not to say that education and nice things are, are bad. You know, they're bad if you can't afford them, you know, and you're doing so at the expense of kind of your own liberty. But if you're doing so, you know, at the expense of raising disciples of a king, then that's okay. You see. So with that, I'm going to pause. This is our part two. We're going to dig into this some more um, in part three. And willfully what I just shared you know, I'm taking it very slow in this Proverbs 31, you know, just even just looking at the spiritual responsibilities of the capable woman and what she brings, you know, the energy that she's described as having her resources, how she uses her resources wisely. She takes certain initiative. She's not just sitting around saying, well, I asked you a while ago about this field and you never got back to me. So I don't know. I just, I don't know. I was waiting for you to Get back to me. She's working really hard at being productive. And I'm telling you, as a man, there's nothing more gratifying than a productive woman. You speak to her and she's like, Oh, I took care of this already. I took care of it to go, What? Get over here. <laughs> she's preparing, you know, like some of us, we prepare for winter. We winterize our homes. But do we prepare spiritually? You see, that virtuous or that capable woman, she's prepared for the winter, the spiritual winter by seeing that she'll clothe her family in faith. So they don't fear. They don't have a fear of cold times or dark times or trials because they know that the the Elohim is going to see us through this. We're not we're not worried about this. We're good to go. You see. Some of the ways, you know, you can as a woman sort of clothe your family in that scarlet is have moments to do family devotional it may feel corny at first like okay we're gonna sing some songs (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna read some scripture. because sometimes people just focus on study all the time it makes you a robot you got to study but you got to be balanced too where's the spirit let's dance let's drum let's sing you see Let's speak about a meal after we had it. You don't have to pray before your meals, but man, that was that was good. That squash was good. Man, I thank the creator for that squash or for that zucchini and you know, there's moments for that, you know. There's so much benefit in that. Obviously having communion with your your family and your your master at bedtime. Your master may be busy doing hey would you mind, Master, if we can just have a you might you guys may call it prayer but in I knew we don't really pray we we commune and we affirm can we have family communion before I put the children to sleep you know let your family see you speaking to the most high or or reading your doctrine your scriptures you see things like this man you you, you take a calabash I used to do this with the children take a calabash and every time they're thankful about something, you they would write it out and put it in the calabash and then, you know, we'd read them together, it could be the littlest things, like, you know I'm thankful for <laughs> a lot of times I'm thinking about one of the youth, he was always thankful for food I thank you for this food that mommy made I thank you for the raw cheesecake that mommy made <laughs> <laughs> Like alright Well at least You know At least it's something Well you know It's something You know Um But you You start to make The most high A regular topic Of conversation In the home You see That's an important thing That's a That's the way that you can help To clothe Your family Alright And we'll get into Some more techniques And get into this more Before You know We're only at part two Alright But I trust And I will That you all really Are getting something and got something out of this Um, I'm going to skip some things Because I went over But this is important We can get to the books and all of that um, later And the questions um, I I didn't forget you guys Who sent sent things in But I'm preparing you for the winter And I know it's hot It's August Well it's July Hotter than July right Oh one of my favorite projects When I was younger I used to listen to that In and out Stevie Wonder hotter in July, Master Blaster jamming, ain't gonna stand for it. Rocket Love, you know. Um, wait, wait, was Rocket Love on that one or uh, Music Aquarium? Oh, I might, I might have got a little shabby here, <laughs> my Stevie Wonder. But nonetheless, man, um, you know we're preparing, man. Yeah, it's hot right now. Yeah, man, it's beautiful out, man. The sisters look gorgeous The brothers are outside working out You know you know what I mean Everybody looks great But winter comes Comes every year Drought Famine Hard times Trials and tribulations People testing me You know I'm in, the, I'm in the line And I gotta get back to work I'm on my lunch break And somebody cut me Or this woman is acting like She don't wanna serve me Or this guy Or whatever You know That might be a trial for you so nonetheless, man, you know, definitely I, I will that you apply these things, you learn these things, and we'll go even deeper. We're going to go so deep that you're going to be strong and girded in the in greatest way for the winter that comes. Um, speaking about being prepared and being strengthened, our retreats coming up again. Um, be sure if you haven't signed up, you sign up, and uh, we're going to do more of it, more of it. I know uh, some people have already expressed that they'll be coming to the the next the winter retreat. You know, every three months we have these moments where we can get together and um, commune with each other. But uh, this one in New Orleans is going to be great because we have uh, some beautiful activities we'll get into. But again, you go to anulifeglobal.org to check that out. Links are always in the description, you know, of these podcasts a n u l i f e dot no a n u l i f e g l o b a l dot o r g all right so this has been chief you yeah again you can always follow me on my social media handles just so you know if you notice uh, anyone who's been trying to interact with me a little bit in the comments i am taking a, a little bit of a hiatus um from social media for a bit so um you know I don't you know people like to do those announcements like I ain't going to be on here and you just shut up and go. <laughs> so I didn't do any of that but if you just notice like maybe you put something in the comments or a question I've been kind of quiet um it's because I un- uninstalled all that stuff on my devices just for a little while to um have some time to enjoy this high this high uh pineal um season, you know, we are dealing with the summer and this is a time where, you know, there's a there's a lot of um, pineal strengthening, a lot of alignment, you know, with my, my melanin base um, within me, you know, within my blood and within my, my skin layers as well. So I just wanted to take that time to pull away from the screens and pull into the sun for a little bit, you know, um, just so you know. But you can always still follow me on those as well as YouTube. Follow me on YouTube. And um, I know I don't put a lot of videos and stuff up, but that's going to be changing after the retreat. We're going to be doing a little bit more, right, Um, media. All right. And with that said, thank you for listening. This is Chief Yuya. And, uh, again, any questions can come in at questions at chiefyuya.com. All right. Until next time. Peace. Okay. So just a couple of little points I want to share with you all. As always, um, for any book of mine that you may want to purchase, you can always go to amazon.com, but you can also go to the chiefyuya.com website. Um, on my website, you'll find all of the podcasts, the majority of the podcasts, and you also find links to all of my books as well. So the 14 keys is there. Um, Solutions for Dysfunctional Family Relationships is there Um, Shrine and Altar is there Um, What else did I write? (laughs) The Compass, uh, which is a free work um, Is on the website as well Uh, Is also there Um, You know, uh, Mind Heart Words is there Noir Male Misconceptions of a Lost Male is there You know all of them Alright uh, So just be sure That if you uh, Grasping the root of divine power Of course The OG <laughs> Grasping the root of divine power So you know If you're interested in, in any of those texts You can always go there And there are audio versions Of some of the works as well Solutions for dysfunctional Family relationships Has an audio version The 14 Keys Has an audio version And Mind Heart Words Also has an audio version uh, They're not all on Audible Because Audible is a pain in the neck So I will be working to put them back up there Or get them up there Uh, 14 Keys is on Audible But on other platforms Like um, Apple's uh, book platform As well as Google Books um, Platform you will find solutions For dysfunctional family relationships Where I am voicing all of the characters Male and female you know, <laughs> and you'll find also the other ones as well. So, just wanted to put that out there uh, for anyone interested in the text. As always, you can um, sign up for classes at Saduluhouse.com. S-A-D-U-L-U-H-O-U-S-E.com, and sign up for our new spiritual training. One, two is coming out soon. I've been holding off because I actually totally redid it. I went in a different direction, so it was a lot of work redoing it. so um, and as well as for uh, any other classes, like the ones we have on meditation and astral travel and crystals and there's a bunch of oils and you know so forth and so on. So uh, be sure if you're interested in, in any sort of class, go to sudohouse.com. all right and as always, for readings or coaching. For consultations, I should say, Osiris dot com, and for coaching, osirislife dot com. If you want ongoing support, to join my community where I am the shepherd and uh, chief over, that's A-N-U-L, anulifeglobal dot org. A n u l a n u l i f e g l o b a l dot o r g, and also you can follow all of them on you know uh, social media. Anu Life Global, Anu Life GM rather is the uh, social media handle for Anu Life. Um, can, I can always be found at Chief Yuya. Um, despite what the books say, that I have to have that fix because I changed social media handles so many times. And for music and things like that, Chief Yuya Music, or just go on to any of your digital streaming platforms and look up Chief Yuya, there's not too many of us (laughs) and uh, you'll find uh, all of the the good metaphysic and healing music that I uh, create alright, with that, let's get back to it